Hello, podcast world. Your host, Peter Days, Pedro Diaz, Saturday, May 8th. We're starting the podcast here from the bedroom because I want to record an idea before I forget. The idea is a history, a timeline of graffiti, street art, and pichazón here in Sao Paulo. We'll start in Sao Paulo, then we'll go through the world, but I just wanted to record this on tape. Yes, once again, this is unconventional podcast. You can hear the street outside. It's supposed to be like that. And it's a trash, but it's a little, it's a little louder. I'm here next to my beautiful wife, Luana, that she recommended me that I should read in English instead of Portuguese because I'm putting everybody asleep with Portuguese. Estoy poniendo, estoy dejando a todos dormidos usando mi portugués. No se rió mi esposo. Bueno, podcast, como les digo, este es un podcast inconvencional. No es común. Y a lo que me refiero es de que uso diferentes idiomas. Y son en diferentes lugares. Tengo un estudio muy bonito que funciona muy bien. Y ahí es donde hago mis lecturas. Pero... No es el único lugar donde grabamos. Bueno, eso es... Para empezar, me voy a vestir. Bueno, eso es demasiada información. Y luego voy a ir a mi podcast. Voy a ir al estudio a leer en inglés. Oh, so now I'm in my studio. Which is a lot more quieter. It could be a little bit more quieter. Let me close some doors outside. One moment. Okay, I'm back. Podcast. It's my small studio, and today I fell asleep a little bit late yesterday watching a documentary on plastic and water, how uh, water bottles are basically tap water. Man, what a, I it's a controversial issue that I don't, I don't want to really dig into it right now. I'm just kind of thinking out loud, throwing some ideas here in the podcast. The idea about, let me write that down before I forget. The idea of the history of graffiti, street art, pichasson. Um, and that's going to be a written And of course, I'll turn it into audio later on after I read. But that was the last thought I had when I woke up. It's just a history of graffiti street out here in Sao Paulo, Brazil. There's a big scene here. So just start from there. Another thing, and now if you saw, I woke up early and, <clears throat> and I didn't wake up that early. I went kind of sleep kind of late. But I did want to read here some of my notes um, where last episode I read a little bit about what Mike Tyson had said about confidence. And then I got into an author, Tim S. Grover, and he was a coach for Dwayne Wade, uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and he has some books. He has a book coming up, but his relentless book. It's in uh, self-improvement in Google Podcasting. You can listen to the whole thing there. But one of the one of the things that I like to I picked up from the book um, 
I got, um, you gotta fucking own it. You gotta fucking own it. It's like, I own this podcast. I Even if you're a, a janitor, own that job. Clean the best that you can ever clean. And that's how I feel about my interpreting job. So I was like, man, sometimes I want to do something else. It's not as creative. But when I do the job, I do the absolute best that I can. And I push myself to take another phone call. Ask for repetition. Speak clearly. You know, use all my tools. Clarification. Well, cultural brokering, I use them all. And I take a lot of pride in that work. And that just reminded me of like, own that shit. Own this podcast. Own that interpreting job. Own this writing gig. Own that shit. And one one topic that I'm going to go into right now, and this is a, one of the harder thing. I'm taking a rhetoric class in, in edX.org, which is not a advertisement. But I love education and everybody should go check it out, edX.org. And it's uh, free classes. And I'm taking a class there on Harvard Rhetoric, which is on writing and speaking, which is kind of goes hand on hand on what I do. Communication. And I always I've been thinking lately, if I can invest in my communication, I think my whole life is going to get a little bit better at work and with my family and friends. So that's one thing that I hear I have in my notes. And I wanna, I'm going to talk about health insurance in one of the writing assignments that I have for that class. And, man, I didn't know what else to write. I mean, I thought about, I think, that healthcare, man, finding your identity, sexuality, are some tough topics, addiction. I mean, there's a lot of topics that I can go into. But I think healthcare as a right in the United States is something to dive into. Because, man, I have suffered a lot from not being able to afford going to a dentist and not not wanting to go to a doctor because I'm like, damn, well, what, what do I rather live with some pain or live with some debt? Yeah, I'd rather live with some pain. I'll self-medicate with freaking alcohol or marijuana. And, man, I, I am pissed off about the healthcare system. And Brazil has a healthcare system. Canada has a healthcare system that public that anyone can go. And it gets confusing when, when the poor have to ask for help in the United States. Make it a right because the lower middle income class always gets fucked because they're the ones working part time and starting their own business, but they don't even have a freaking way to take care of themselves in the health industry. So I'm going to talk about that and health insurance and addiction. And I'm going to try to relate it to health insurance and addiction, how not having health insurance leads to addiction because man, if, if we're self-medicating. I feel like Americans are self-medicating. We import the most drugs out of any country. It, I, it has to do something because we don't have health care that we can go afford the drugs that we need. Whatever, man. I'm getting pissed off because of that. But I, I got to do that. I got to write that down on Word document. And again, fucking own your job. Own the job. Do the best job that you can do. Be a cleaner. And that's what I mean for my interpreting job. Sorry for my cousin, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting hiked up. There's three people. Good, great, and unstoppable. What do you want to be? And this is from the book Relentless by GMS Grover. Taking a pause. Pause. Okay, back in the studio. Where was I? I was talking about uh, author GMS. 
Grover, the coach for Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Wade. And there's three competitors, three personalities. You're either cooler, you're good, closers, which are great, and cleaners, unstoppable. Some of these are some of the notes that I got from the book. There's no such thing as luck. No hay cosa como la suerte. Numbering. And another interesting point that Jim S. Grover, he doesn't like to go one, two, three, because he goes one, 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 because all his points are important. That's what I got. And it's all about. Just pushing yourself harder when everyone else is done. Energy. It's just about pushing yourself. And that's what I've been doing lately. Getting into the zone. Control the uncontrollable. You know exactly who you are. Everybody has a dark side. You'd rather be feared than liked if you're unstoppable. And that's one of the things for me that I, I never even thought about. I thought it, I wanted everybody to like me. But now I'm like, man, I'd rather be feared than liked. Yeah, I'd rather people fear me. Those who talk don't know, and those who know don't talk. Which is very interesting. I used to criticize my dad for not talking a lot, but now I'm like, man, I guess he knows a lot. Hard work, dedication. Cleaners do the hardest part first. And for me right now is writing. Eh writing my blog post, doing this podcast, reading and push-ups, doing some type of exercise. So that's what I'm trying to do first thing in the morning. Write, podcast, read, push-ups. And get into that tub. Man, I, just writing has to be one of the things that my mind wants to do so much because it's a, a clear form of expression. And I have some ideas. There's this yakisoba restaurant that has the best yakisoba restaurant. And I just want to write a review for them. I just want to say how good that is. Another point is zero sugars. Try to go on a zero sugar diet. And you're going you're gonna to feel bad. <clears throat> and have a routine. If you do the same thing everywhere. If you do the same thing here in Sao Paulo. Over there in the States. If I do the same thing in Paris. Whatever, wherever the hell I am. If I do the first thing first. Which is to write, podcast, read and do some push-ups. Then it's it's a natural instinct. You don't have to get into them. The dark side. Who and why. And I, I, I like that part of the controlled dark side. Because everybody has it. Everybody has that. And I don't even want to go into some of the dark sides. Uh, gluttony. Freaking Lying. Freaking cheating, whatever the fucking dark side is. He says that every successful people has a dark side. I believe it. Some of the things that I'm gonna include here is a finance, business, culture, travel. And I do this because it's in career changes and opportunity. And then that's it. That's all the notes that I have. And like I was saying earlier, my wife encouraged me to read in English instead of Portuguese. And I get it. My Portuguese is bad right now. So I'm going to... A good thing. Some good news. 
podcast friends is that The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's a public domain now. So I'm going to get this going, jump on this, and I'm going to read because it's a great book. And again, it's part of my routine. Read, podcast, and then write after this podcast. I just want to get the podcast done first because of the sound. It might get louder throughout the day. So I'm trying to do that first in the morning. And let's get to it. Let's get let's read The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Once again, to Zelda. Then wear the gold hat, if that will move her. If he can bounce high, bounce her. Bounce for her too. Till she'll cry, lover, gold-hatted, high-bouncing lover, I must have you. Thomas Barker and Villiers. Chapter 1 In my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. Whenever you feel like criticizing one, he told me, just remember that all the people in this world haven't had the advantages that you had had. He didn't say any more, but we always been unusually communicative in a reserved way. And I understood that he meant a great deal more than that. In consequence, I'm inclined to serve all judgments, a habit that has opened up many curious natures to me. And all and also made me the victim of not a few veteran bores. The abnormal mind is quick to detect. Sorry, gonna start. The abnormal. I need a little bit larger. Making excuses. Not to read anymore. <laughs> Let's start over. The abnormal mind is quick to detach and attach itself to this quality when it appears in a normal person. And so it came about that in a in college, I was unjustly accused of being a politician because I was privy to the secret grief of wild unknown men. Most of the confidence were out so frequently I have faint sleep preoccupation or a hostile levity when I realized by some unmistakable sign that an in intimate revelation was quivering on the horizon. For the intimate revelations of a young man, or at least the terms in which they express them, are usually plagiaristic and marred by obvious suppressions. Reserving judgments is a matter of infinite hope. I'm still a little afraid of missing something if I forgot that, as my father snobbishly suggested, I snobbishly repeated. A sense of the fundamental decency is paralleled out unequal at birth. And after boasting this way of my tolerance, I came to the admission that it has a limit. Conduct may be found on the hard rock or the wet marshes. 
but after a certain point, I don't care what it's founded on. When I, when I came back from the East last autumn, I felt that I wanted the world to be in uniform and that and at a sort of moral attention forever. I wanted no more riotous excursion with privileged glimpses into the human heart. Only Gatsby, the man who gives his name to, the, to this book, was exempt from my reaction. Gatsby, who represented everything for which I have an unaffected scorn. If personality if is unbroken, serious, of successful gestures, then there was something gorgeous about him. Some heightened sensitivity to the promises of life. As if he were related to one of those intricate machines that registers earthquakes 10,000 miles away. This responsiveness had nothing to do with, the, with that flabby impressionability, which is dignified under the name of the creative temperament. It was an extraordinary gift for hope, a romantic readiness, such as I have never found in any other person in which, it's, in which it is not likely I shall ever find again. No, Gatsby turned out all right at the end. It is what preyed on Gatsby, what foul dust floated in the wake of his dreams that temporarily closed out my interest in the abortive sorrows and short-winded elations of men. My mammal... <laughs> My family have been prominent, well-to-do people in the middle, in this middle western city for three generations. The Caraways are something of a clan, and we have a tradition that were descended from the Dukes of Bucleoche. But the actual founder of my line was my grandfather's brother who came here in 51, sent a substitute to the Civil War, and started the wholesale hardware business that my father carries on today. I never saw this great uncle, but I'm supposed to look like him, with a special reference to the other hard-boiled painting that hangs in father's office. I graduated from New Haven in 1915, just a quarter of a century after my father, and a little later, I participated in the delay of teutonic migration known as the Great War. I enjoyed the counter-raid so thoroughly that I came back restless. Instead of being the warm center of the world, the Middle West now seemed like a, the ragged edge of the universe. So I decided to go east. I learned the bond business. Everybody I knew was in the bond business. So I supposed it could support one more single man. All of my aunts and uncles talked it over as they were choosing a, choosing a prep school for me and finally said, why? Yes! With a very grave, hesitant faces, father agreed to finance me for a year 
and after various delays I came east, permanently, I thought, in the spring of 22. The practical thing was to find rooms in the city, but it was a swarm season, and I had just left a country of wide lawns and friendly trees, so when a young man at the office suggests that we take a house together in a commuting town, it sounded like a great idea. He found the house, a weather-beaten cardboard bungalow at 80 a month, but At the last minute, the firm ordered him to Washington and went out to the country alone. I had a dog, at least I had him for a few days until he ran away. And an old Dutch and a Finnish woman who made my bed and cooked breakfast and muttered Finnish wisdom to herself over the electric stove. It was a lonely for a day or so until one morning some man more recently arrived than I stopped than I stopped me on the road. How do you get to West Egg Village? He asked, he asked helplessly. I told him and I as I walked and as I walked on I was lonely no longer. I was a guide, a pathfinder an original settler, he had casually conferred on me the freedom of the neighborhood. And so, with that sunshine and great burst of leaves, of leaves growing on the trees, just as things grow in fast movies, I had that familiar conviction that life was beginning over again with the summer. There was so much to read, for one thing. I had so much fine health to be pulled down out of the youth breathing giving air. I bought, a I bought a dozen volumes on banking and credit and investment securities and they stood on my shelf in a red gold like a new money from the mint, promising to unfold the shining secrets that only Midas and Morgan and Marcenas knew. And I had the high intention of reading many other books besides. I was rather literally, literally, in college. One year, I wrote a series of very solemn and obvious editorials from the Yale News. And now I was going to bring back all such things into my life and become, again, the most limited, most limited all of all specialists, the well-rounded man. This isn't just an epigram. Life is much more successfully looked at from a single window, after all. It was a matter of chance that I should have rented a house in one of the strangest communities in North America. It was one of the slender Riochas Island, which extended itself due east of New York. And where there are, among other natural curiosities, two unusual formations of land. 20 miles from the city, a pair of enormous eggs, identically in contour and separated only by a courtesy bay, just out into the most domesticated body of salt water in the Western Hemisphere, the great wet barnyard of Long Island Sound. 
They are not perfect ovals like the egg in the Columbus story. They are both crushed, flat, out the contact end, but their physical resemblance must be a source of perpetual wonder to the gulls that fly overhead. To the wingles, to the wingless, sorry, to the wingless, a more interesting phenomena, phenomena is their dissimilarity in every particular except shape and size. I lived at the West Egg, the well, the less fashionable of the two. Thought this is the most, this is a most superficial tag to express the bizarre and not a little sinister contrast between them. My house was at the very tip of the egg, only 50 yards from the sound, and this and squeezed between two huge places that rented for 12 or 15,000 a season. The one on my right was a colossal affair by any standards. It was a factual imitation of some Hotel de Ville Normandy with a tower on one side, a spanking new on their thin beard of raw ivy and a marble swimming pool and more than 40 acres of lawn and garden. It was Gatsby's mansion, or rather, as I didn't know, Mr. Gatsby, it was a mansion inhabited by a gentleman of that name. My own house was a my own house was a eyesore, but it was a small eyesore. It had been overlooked, so I had a view of the water, a partial view of my neighbor's lawn, and the consoling proximity of millionaires off for $80 a month. So we're going to finish there. Isn't that nice finding a, a nice place next to millionaires in the nice Bay Area? Sometimes we get lucky. Sometimes it's all about location, location, location. And um, I don't to say sometimes I feel like that right now. I mean, there's close to very wealthy part in Sao Paulo. Guys, that's it for this podcast. It's only it's 26 minutes. Maybe I can read another paragraph. I'm reading this from the Gutenberg project, which all the books are public domain. We're going to leave it there and that's it. And then just thank you for listening, whoever is listening. And if you've gotten this far, you, I think I appreciate it. And that's it. And going back to my notes, it's, Man, the hardest thing is to write, so that I'm gonna get to it right now. I finished reading, wrote, I think I read for maybe 10, 12 minutes. So now it's uh, back to writing. All right, guys, thank you, podcast world, and I will, I'll be back soon. We're gonna read uh, The Great Gatsby now. Okay, goodbye.